Hey, is it working? Does it look like it's working? Uh, looks like it's working. It's alive. <laughs> Kick it. Well, hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to uh, another one of my podcasts on the Working Musicians uh, podcast. It is, uh, as you know, the original Working Musicians podcast. The and original. That's right. What? It appears we have an echo. We do. We do. We have we an do. echo. Echo, echo. And who might this echo be? Echo B, echo B. No, who, who, who are you? Oh, uh, I'm, I'm Casey. I'm good. I'm, That's good. So you are Casey. I am. Uh, tis me. T- tis, tis, tis <laughs> the season. It sure is. Uh, so just to, uh, we'll, we'll get into some other stuff later, some very juicy, juicy details. But for the time being, I just want to kind of let you know, there's been, if, if you've ever heard any of the other episodes, from time to time I have mentioned that I have a, uh, somebody I know who is a drummer. This is indeed he. Yes. So, Casey, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh, I drum and... Uh, well, that's great. That, that, that's great. Right. That's <laughs> great, man. Thank you for that. Thank you for sharing. You know, sharing is caring. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, this one is kind of a unscripted like all the other ones, but I extra don't know what I'm going to talk about on this one. But we got the mixing board set up for some interesting, interesting things. And uh, one thing I'm going to talk about Casey a little bit is uh, just to brag on him a little, is in addition to being a, uh, you know... And I wouldn't say great, but an, an, an acceptable drummer. Was, was that fair? Is that fair? Uh, I think you're giving me a little too much props. <laughs> yeah. Nothing could be further from the truth. He's actually a virtuoso drummer, but that's okay. Uh, he's very, very humble about it. It takes it in good stride. Um, so, yeah, I'll tell you, if I was as good on uh, as guitar and, well, and singing as, as he was at drums, I probably wouldn't be podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair, too. But one thing that, that I always uh, appreciate is that how good of an ear I think he has and how I usually will value his, his, his input and opinion. Even if I don't go forward with it, I always feel like, hey, here's someone, you know, if he says something, there could be something to it. It might make me second guess my own, my own judgment. And that, that's saying a lot because there aren't too many people that I know that I've ever worked with or known or had the privilege of working with that actually feel that way. Normally it's like, okay, I'm going to sit here and pretend to nod and listen like I really care about what you're saying. And then I'm going to find a reason. Well, that's great. Well, let me think about that. But for right now, let's just do it this way. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. No, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. At any rate, um, it's time for coffee. Yes, <laughs> let's get some coffee. Do you take cream and sugar? You look like you take cream and sugar, you little bitch. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't actually do that to people. Uh, I may think that, but I wouldn't actually do it. So uh, I think you do it. Well, you've worked with me before, but it's been it's been a long time. It's been over, well over. It's been eight, six years. Probably more. Probably more. Yeah, probably, probably more, more like yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah. Since we've really, really, I mean, we have done a few things mutually in the same room. A few little recording projects. Nothing, nothing big to speak of. He is actually the drummer on a, that song of mine called Oliver. Yes, he is indeed the one who did the drums, and mm-hmm. he was the recording engineer on that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That, he does that too. And uh, I hear, yeah, you, did, did you go 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 to an audio school? Is that something you did? Yeah, I think I did that for a little while. Um, you know, audioed out a little bit, and uh, drank a lot of beer, and, and uh-huh. made a couple projects. Like and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was it was cool. It was fun stuff. So, what would you say? Uh, your uh, your education as a audio, what was it called? What did you get a well, degree in? Engineer. Um, apparently, we're I- engineering things. Oh, but uh, wasn't that nice? Yeah, no, we just we we flip knobs and um, <laughs> yeah. <you're>, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. What else do you do to knobs? <laughs> oh, I slob on the knob. <laughs> gotta get the knobs clean, don't you? Gotta clean them. Yeah, they, 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 they don't work if they're not clean. That, gotta keep correct. them uh, squeaky clean and. Um, no, but it, it was fun, man. Uh, to be honest, I kind of wish I was back in it because, oh, yeah? you know, you get the free studio time and you, you, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't really listen a lot to a lot of the, to maybe as much as I should, but, you know, I came out ahead. So it was definitely, yeah. Uh, if you say there's one thing that you learned going through audio school that you probably would not have otherwise, what, what would that be? Uh, definitely that anyone who says they're not audio engineers, quote unquote, they're just know-it-alls like these guys just think they 
they know everything just because they're a quote-unquote audio engineer, which I don't even know what that really means. But um, Would you I, equivalent that to being a scrapbook engineer? Uh, probably, yeah, yeah. I mean, for I think for most people, would you agree that most people who say that they're audio engineers are very far from it? I, I think so. I mean, I think, I think there's having an ear for music is makes you so much more relevant with any project than just saying you're an audio engineer and, and you can twist knobs, but you know, yeah. I mean, there's definitely, you got to have those kind of people, the, the gearheads and the, and the, why does this mic work best for this and for this particular part mm-hmm. or whatever? Um, you know, and I, I was more like, Hey shit, we're getting a signal and I'm feeling <laughs> it in this moment and let's, let's roll with it and we'll edit it later. But and ladies yeah. and gentlemen, how a drummers approach the studio. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. <laughs> If the snare's loud and the kick kicks and we're rolling, man. I remember something that, that you had told me. It was a joke I I heard or read on a forum or something. But what was it? The AKG, uh, was it C44 or something? What, at any rate, it's uh, now I can't even think of what the mic's called. It, it's that late at night. But it's the real common AKG mic that, uh, that, that it's, oh, I'm not, I, it's not the C44, 144, something. But anyway, it's that real that real famous one that people like to use for vocals a lot and overheads and yeah, it's yeah. real good for overheads. But what was it? The I, I think you had a, a professor that say, "Hey, you got to use this mic. It's drummer proof because it has an omnidirectional switch on it. <laughs> Put in yeah. omni and it's drummer proof. You yeah. know, it doesn't matter where you point it. Exactly. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Just stick it anywhere over the drum set. You're gonna sound great. And we we actually did that. He he literally we put one mic. He stuck it. He positioned it. We recorded he actually pulled me out of the group and we recorded i just jammed a little bit and everyone's like damn that sounds pretty good you know just mm-hmm. for one mic just sticking above the drums so yeah you know but, but don't, don't 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 do that i don't suggest that you, know? you don't suggest that i don't suggest that a lot of curiosity uh in case you hadn't well I, i'm just gonna stop there this episode is about me talking to a very good drummer and uh <laughs> the, his name is casey that that's what this episode is about I don't know if I'll ever get him back on here. And one of these days, I'm going to have both him and Channing Kendrick Saul, also oh, known as Channing Saul, yeah. uh, if they're not in the same room, but in the same virtual room, so that we can do one of these together. Because I think, uh, I know Channing had a great time, and I think Casey's going to have a great time. He's just not, doesn't realize how good of a time he's going to have. Oh, I'm having a blast. Are you having a blast? <laughs> That's excellent. You don't realize how fun this is until you get behind the mic and do it. It just, it just fills your, your heart with a uh, warmth you know mm. like a nice spiced apple cider yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so uh, i think a lot of this is going to be just kind of us uh kind of going back and forth and kind of getting him used to being behind a mic while not drumming you know it's a it's a completely different animal um but we were just briefly just to get back to where we were talking about didn't mean to go off on a tangent but uh so you were talking about how, uh, you know, you just put that one mic over and say, hey, this actually sounds pretty good. But then you go, that's not how I'd recommend doing it typically. So as far as, uh, you know, drum miking, you know, let's, let's start with, the, with a live platform, right? How would you go about miking a drum set? Well, I would say based on the venue, um, you know, the more control of each, each separate instrument, I think that's always beneficial. Um, but if you're playing a coffee shop, you don't you don't need to mic your twelve toms. And if you got twelve toms, I mean, take take go, go do something else. Um, but no, I mean, kick snare maybe. Uh, typically, when I was on when I was playing a lot in in bars, I would do kick snare and an overhead. Um, you know, because the overhead kind of picks up the cymbals a little everything. You get you get your toms, but you're not you're not blasting anybody away. And yeah. then once once you get on your outside type stages, you know, go ahead and throw throw something on your on your uh, each tom so that you know the sound guy can get can bring those up if he needs to or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what's the most number of mics you ever used in a live gig? And I know you've played quite a variety of, of venues, but what would you say was the most mics you ever used? And I, I would assume it's an outside. Well, I, I played a, a uh, I played a four piece kit typically, so I would say. Uh, one on the one on the hat, two overheads, kick, snare, tom, tom. So what is that? Seven, six, seven. Four piece kit. Four piece kit. 
two overheads. Two overheads in it. So seven. Probably seven. In my uh my spectacular back of vocals. So eight. Ah. Um, yeah. So just as drummer logic, four piece kit plus two overheads equals seven max. <laughs> No, the hat. Oh, the hi-hat. Okay, yeah. I, okay, fair enough. I didn't catch that one. But yeah. I just, I, anything I can do to point out some drummer logic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so there you go, folks. I mean, uh, now, it just goes to show, like, but w- w- what would you recommend in the live settings? I've seen a few different things, but, uh, you know, just to, for example, like, what would you, what was your bread and butter go-to as far as the typical bar that you'd play at? Not the huge, you know, outside or the huge venue, which you've played a few of, and some bigger outside events, or outside in general is just a completely different animal. Yeah, um, you just especially unless it's in a confined area that just happens to be outside. But if it's like an outside and you, you got to cover a lot of ground, that's a completely different animal. But as far as the typical, you know, stuff you did probably where you played eighty percent of the time, those kind of venues, your your bars and that kind of stuff. What would you say uh, you would typically use to make your your drums heard? Well, you definitely always got to mic your kick, and there's there's a lot of situations where it's, you got to hurry up and and throw your stuff up and play, and the sound guy's limited or whatever. He's like, hey, you know, what do you want? It's like as long as you get the kick in there. If it's a smaller place, you know, get get the place thumping, you're going to be good. But you want to get your snare in there so that they can add kind of a you, they can put effects on it. You know, a nice reverb snare. It's, ah. it's, it's going to bring it's going to bring the sound of the whole band like just give it like that openness when you you crack the snare and you get the you know is that something that a lot of venues do is they put a reverb on your snare for you a lot of rock venues and they kind of go overkill i think a little bit but i think it helps to you know get a little bit of a little bit of reverb on there when you were playing with uh i'll just say that 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 texas band that you were playing in which was not exactly heavy metal no uh did you did y'all put reverb on the snare uh, i don't think they we were very dry i don't think they really put a lot of anything um we kind of ran the sound ourselves so you know we would we'd quickly dial it in and and we'd start playing but they they probably put a little bit on it they just had some kind of built-in reverb with, with on their board mm-hmm. and you know i don't you know i don't think it was the little mackie board yeah well i think it i don't i think it was a pv or something but i don't think it was the uh the prettiest you know oh. sing your heart out reverb but you know just a little something give a little a little bit of, oh, make it feel bigger than it is yeah 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 kind of like yeah. you ever notice how uh singers love to put delay on their voice oh yeah because it, it uh i mean that's exactly it. it makes you feel like you're you could be in a coffee shop and you, and you put that that delay the reverb and all of a sudden you're in a you're in an arena so yeah you know. now does it ever bother you like it, it, i love it when you know people use a little bit of processing in their live show do whatever they can do to make it sound better i mean clearly playing in the pocket that's 90 something percent of it and just being good at what you do but it is nice when you when they kind of they have a sound system and they know how to use it they have a little bit of gear and they know how to you know really perfect their sound as best as they can and under the circumstances but one thing that always drives me nuts it's like it seems like if you're going to have delay on your vocals you need to have some kind of a, a button to push on your with your foot or something like a stomp box yeah so that when you go to talk it's not echoing how are y'all doing tonight? Yeah, I think they kind of forget that sometimes. Yeah, because it's kind of a turnoff from the audience, and then, then immediately they realize, oh, he's got an effect on his vocal. This guy can't actually sing, yeah. which is perhaps nothing to be further from the truth. Look, I just put a little delay on there. It makes it sound better. You, know, yeah. you ever listen to a CD? Well, guess what? That's not how the singer actually sounds in the room. Yeah. Not even close. Oh, you well. ever heard yourself sing? Does it sound like that? Yeah, guess what? Neither does he. <laughs> you know? Or, you know, leave the harmonizer on while you're talking to the crowd. That's always good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, the auto-tune. Yeah. Good morning. <laughs> That's how auto-tune sounds. No, I, I mean, you know, a little bit of process. I think it's always cool. You know, I, I'm, if if, arti- if artistically is going to make you sound the way you want to sound, then, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm always yeah. down for some, some processing. on. So, uh, now that kind of off the topic of processing but more so microphone what kind of microphones would you typically use because if memory serves right i would it was very common for me to see you with a three-piece mic setup mm-hmm. kick uh snare and a single overhead but what what were your weapons of choice i think the kick man i haven't played so long but i think the kick i used the the akg d12 uh-huh and it really it's really not my kick of choice it's not as is 
as punchy as I like, but um, he got the job done on a budget. Yeah. Uh, Snare, I think, was a 57, sure 57. And I want to say for a while, I actually also used a 57 for an overhead. Because mm-hmm. um, you put a condenser on there and then it's, it's just real touchy. It's like, it's almost... You gotta have a real good sound guy with a, a live condenser mic because it can backfire real quick. I mean, yeah, you know. Have you ever heard of the trick where you can take like a? Uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't recommend putting just a piece of masking tape on it directly, but take like a, uh, like a piece of like construction paper and cut it to where. In fact, what you're talking through is currently an SM57, um, but where you you take like a piece of paper about the size of a gum wrapper and you loop it around, you just put a little piece of tape on that wrapper around the side vents of the SM57, and it gives it, I wouldn't say completely omni-directional, but it gives it a less cardioid characteristic and kind of uh, captures a wider angle. Hmm. I was just curious if you ever heard of that. No, I haven't heard that one. Never I mean, seen anyone do it, but I've heard it's, it that it can work. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, I imagine it wouldn't look very cool, but hey, if it if it, yeah. it works, it works. Well, you know, you could put a piece, uh, what I would always figure is just, hey, put a piece of... Uh, you know, it, it doesn't matter what color the construction paper is. Put a piece of electrical tape around that. Yeah. Now it's rock and roll. You oh, know yeah, what I mean? yeah. Never know the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pretty much you would, you're pretty big. Just use the whatever works, whatever rugged, whatever gets you through the day. Now to flip this to the studio side, what would you say is uh, your preferred microphone method? And I know that could change by the situation, but you know, the, go ahead. What if the Let's just say that you're doing, okay, let's use two scenarios. Let's say you're doing a pretty um, modern sounding rock or, you know, alternative or heavier rock uh, performance and you're in the studio. How would you do that compared to how you would do something more acoustic, folk, blues, jazz, um, you know, perhaps I wouldn't even, I wouldn't say modern country because that's very very processed but you know basically something that's uh, how we have the difference between doing something like hard rock modern hard ro- modern rock and something more like contemporary folk studio wise that's what i've seen you kind of do without giving away who you've played with too much that's kind of been you've been on one end or the other yeah and you know live <laughs> i have a more minimal approach because I mean, you're, it's, you don't have all day, you know, you got to get up there and you got to, you got to play and, and tear down, but studio, I'm kind of the opposite. I think go ahead and mic, mic it up. I mean, if you put three or four mics on, on a snare and, and, you know, at the end of the day, having more when you're mixing to me is, is, is beneficial. You don't have to use it all obviously, but Hey, you know, for whatever reason, this mic sounded good on this snare for this, this part. And even just taking like, you know, a lot of th- what I would do a lot is before I would I would track, just take a sample. You know, of each each instrument, you can always throw that sample back in uh, and do whatever you want with it. But um, de- I mean, no matter really the genre, when I was in the studio, I, I like to have as many options as possible. So mm-hmm. you know, I mean, th- there would even be times when I mean, there would be times when I'd only have one snare or one mic on a snare. I'd go to mix it. And I'm like. This this isn't gonna work. So I'd have to pull a, a snare sample from from you know, Logic or whatever you know whatever tool you got and and play with that and kind of blend it with the real snare that you recorded and make it work. So um, obviously that's not the ideal way to do it, but I mean that kind of goes to show like try try things, just try it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's, that's interesting. Um, would you? What kind of budgets would you say you were okay? Would you recommend that approach that approach to people who are on a budget? Yeah, I think so because I mean I think you can get decent. From my experience, I think you can get decent quality out of out of the not most expensive mics. I remember, you know, at, at the when I was going to audio engineering school, they had a, a Neumann, uh, I think eighty seven. You know, the typical. Mm-hmm. you know the go-to amazing mic and and we tried it and it, it just never fit for for whatever reason you know it just didn't fit yeah. for what we were doing it's like man i i wouldn't i mean 
if I had all the money in the world, yeah, I'd, I'd take this mic in my collection. But like, if I'm gonna, I would, I don't need this mic. You know, I right. can get four other mics for the same price. So and, in terms of, but as far as like, let's say that you're going to a studio and you're paying for the recording time. And, in the, and if you know a little bit, you know that every time you put a mic up, it takes a certain amount of time to kind of find the direct, the, the position it needs to be in and placement and get that kind of figured out. And so I guess my question is, and I'm not saying I know I have the right answer to this mm-hmm. or I even have one, but do you think it would be better to keep it simple and use four mics? Now, I would not recommend using four mics on a modern rock or modern country production. Yeah. I would not. But, you know, that, that's kind of the, the, the argument is, uh, is, I know I've personally worked with you where we did a four mic setup and it sounded great yeah. for what we were doing. It was fine. And you're the kind of drummer who can EQ themselves as they play. You go back like, hmm, I don't really like the way this sounds. What's wrong with it? Oh, this isn't as loud as I'd like. Well, you just go and replay it and okay, I'll hit the toms a little harder. Mm -hmm. You know, that's not something that everybody can do. So, but as far as like, uh, you know, do you think it is over? At what point does it become overkill? That's because I mean, me personally, I love it being in the position where you can just put four mics up, you know what I mean? And be done with it. Yeah. But at the same time, there are certain times and places where you cannot do that. Like there, so at what point would you say it becomes, uh, at what point is too much, too much? And then, at, and then at the same time, don't let me forget, I was going to ask, when you listen to modern music as a drummer, does it set an unrealistic expectation as to what drums are supposed to do and sound like? I think so because music now is it's so processed. Everything sounds so perfect. Um, but you know, to go what you're saying, if you know if if you're paying by the hour and you got to get in there and get out, um, then you know definitely just going with the plan. You know, uh, do some research. You know, read up and 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 see what you like and and know that hey, I know this mic's going to work for this, so. Let's start with that, um, but definitely don't don't short yourself. You know, if if the sound guys is rushing you and and skip something that you you want a mic. I mean, it only takes a, a minute or so for him to throw a mic on a ride that could save your mix. I mean, I've definitely had situations where I've um, I've felt pressured to hurry up, and you know, I go home and I listen to it, and I'm like, "Where's the ride, man?" And I, now I can't do anything about it. It's it's already they didn't mic it. Uh, the overheads uh, mm-hmm. didn't pick it up as well. I, I didn't play it hard enough. No one told me, and uh, and now I'm frustrated. Yeah. So, you know, d- don't leave yourself short, but go in knowing what you want and and let the let the engineer know. And yeah, yeah. And if if you go in being educated, I think the engineer normally will respect that. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, I mean, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't be the. Hey, uh, you know, I appreciate that, but I, if we could, can we use these microphones? I'm just, that's what I like. I'm good with it. And I usually put them at about this angle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. That yeah. means we don't have to spend, dig around trying to figure out the right placement. Is this what you know you like? We'll do that. Yeah. It saves, it saves, you know, mm-hmm. everyone time and mm-hmm. gets to the point. So, yeah. And so, um, would you say that as, as just, as a generality with, especially if you're trying to do something that's modern music that where you don't have sort of like drums as an effect, or you're purposely going for a, a vintage sound or a more, you know, natural sound, um, which I'll get to here in a minute. Uh, would you say that pretty much you tight mic everything? Um, you have at least two mics on the kick, even though sometimes I like to have a third one, a little bit more distant, Maybe four, four or so feet back, you know, maybe two, two to four foot off the ground, kind of aim towards the middle of the kick, not so much the porthole. Just kind of helps give it a more natural. Like you don't want to put reverb on a kick drum typically, mm-hmm. but it's kind of nice to have a mic that's sort of zooming in on it that you use in the room mix, assuming you can get it to not phase funny, you know. But it's kind of like in order to get a, a you know a modern drum sound. You have to have at least one on every overhead, at least two on the ki- on the kick, two on the snare, you know, two overheads, one on the ride, depending, uh, one on the, uh, sorry, the hi-hat, depending on the intricacies of the ride, you might have to put one there. Um, 
And then, then it comes room mics. You know, mm-hmm. you want a big open sound. Well, that means you need probably, I mean, I think one room mic is fine. It'll open it up depending on what you're doing. But if you want to compete with modern rock sounds, then you set up another two room mics. So we're, I mean, we're all in at, you know, some 20 microphones to mic a drum set. And then at the end of the day, you still use a bunch of samples. Yeah. Blended in with it. Yeah, pretty pretty much. And so how does that make you feel as a drummer? It's like, well, this is great. My, you know, my drum performance and track sounds wonderful. The problem is it doesn't sound like a real drum set. Does that kind of bother you? It, it does, but I think ultimately you want to capture the performance. Um, if, if, I, if you go in and you, you nail it, you just feel like that was the take. You know, Maybe it's your 12th take and uh, you have patient people um, running the show and you just feel like, like hey, that take felt solid. I, there's, there's heart in that take. I can go if there is a little flub here and there. Hey, I can go back and edit it. Um, or if we need to, if we need to use a sample to kind of bolster the kick during where everything else drops out and it's just drums. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, th- to me, that's an area where like, hey, you could br- bring in a room mic just for that one part to where like it's yeah. just drums. You know, we're rocking just for that part. But you know, it, just capture each each separate entity of your drum set. And 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 nail the performance and and you can yeah. you can do what you need to do to get it to sound the way you want it to sound. I think. So would you say a good argument is two a uh, uh, top bottom on the snare, you know, beater and and um and front and back side of the kick, mm-hmm. one on each individual tom, one on the hi hat, generally one, if sometimes one on the ride. That one's kind of iffy, and then a spaced pair of some kind. That's the minimum, absolute minimum you go to. And then it comes to room mics. What's your opinion on room mics? Necessary? Do you need one? Do you need two? Do you need four? What do you think? I think just setting up a couple. I mean, once again, based on time, but why not? I mean, if, if, you, if it only takes a, a five minutes to put a couple room mics, put yeah. them up. Because you never know. Oh, just when... put a freaking XY pattern. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, just stick them up. Yeah, I mean, worst case scenario, you, it, it may not be quite as wide as you would have wanted, but it'll work. Yeah. You know, it'll give you depth. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Uh, I, I like that perspective, but I guess uh, the final thing is at some point, do you, it's kind of like you ever hear singers and they try to kind of emulate the uh, artifacts that processing has on voices, you know what I mean, without realizing what they're actually emulating. Do you kind of feel like drummers today are trying to emulate uh the sounds that they, they, they expect their drums that them as drummers and that their drum sets should sound like these modern day productions, which if anyone who kind of knows what they're listening for and has heard sample drums, are they, I mean, obviously you want your drums to sound like what you want them to sound when you're actually playing. That's, that's the majority of the battle. That's 80% of the battle, but it's kind of like a, do you feel that it is kind of that drum sounds because of sampling has kind of ruined people to the sound of the actual drum? I think it's probably ruined like the artistry of drumming. Maybe. I mean, a lot of drummers now, they just go in and, and just bang away. There's not really, I don't know if there's necessarily like the dynamics and emotions of drumming in today's just performance. Um, it may, I don't know if it, it's just this, it might just be that's the way I need to play for it to sound with this music. But, uh, I mean, typically, I go when you go see drummer live, they're just they're all out playing loud, uh, balls to the wall. And I've even played with bands where it's like, or I filled in, it's like, man, it's, it's wow, this is nice. I can actually hear my guitar, you know, normally the, the guy behind me is just going psycho and it's like it's, you know it's over it's overkill 100 percent of the time so um i i think i think people just want to uh i think people want to sound like what what people want to hear and if if what's on the radio is cool right now then yeah i mean i i you know i, I always thought it'd be cool to have like a sample snare sound live and all of a sudden just bust that out like in a cool groove and 
you know, people are going to turn their head and be like, whoa, he's doing that? I mean, they don't know that it's it's cheesy that I'm just hitting a pad. They just hear a cool, you know, funk beat with this this sampled snare and it's different and it, you know, yeah. people turn their heads. So, you yeah. know, it's just a sign of the times, man. Everyone just wants to keep up and, and be cool, so. Yeah, right on, right on. So, uh, hmm, what to talk about now? <laughs> talking about now. So, I mean, I've kind of talked about about Casey as the drummer. Uh, clearly, you're a good drummer, but uh, I, I think uh, something I've always thought of is, is be kind of like a, oh, what is it I used to call it? Like a ask the drummer or, you know, something to that extent. Like, But if, I would say if there's one piece of advice you could give drummers, like as far as technique or something that you see people do wrong, and I'll use give an example uh, where I see a lot of guitar players go wrong is they play with their elbow and shoulder and not with their wrist. They can't understand why they have no control. It's like they have to. Uh, they can hit one string maybe, or they can hit all of them, but they they can't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as well. Look, you only need to hit four of these strings. You know what I mean? Not all of them. Yeah. So if it's not a bar chord, they can't play it. Uh, it's just because they have such bad technique, or they hold the pick like an ape. You know. Well, I think there's a lot of must uh, strength that you accumulate that you probably don't have when you first start playing guitar. That's probably true. And so they're kind of having to overcompensate. Um, that's fair. I don't. Th- I don't. That's that's why I like his feedback. It's a little bit less callous than mine. <laughs> but uh, but would you say that uh, what what is something that you see a lot of drummers do? Is, and I'm not talking about good drummers, but more so like the. I would call like the intermediates, not like where I would consider myself an advanced intermediate guitar player and singer. I'm not talking about people like me, people that are just kind of like average, you know, they've been playing a few years. It's they're okay. They can do, they can keep a beat, but they don't sound like a professional drummer. Even if they're playing the same beat, it just doesn't sound like it does when you play what's, and it's typically a, a matter of technique or, how they go about playing it, whether it's just, you know, dynamics, rhythmic structure, f- uh, f- phrasing. But wh- what are some things, what is like one thing that you see a lot of drummers do? They're like, guys, if you would just not do that and do this, you would be so much further along. Well, I, the first thing that came to mind was have the mindset that you are not the show. Uh, you are, you are complimenting. I mean, Unless you play for Rush or, or Tool or something, <laughs> you're 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 in the you're in the back. You're providing a compliment to the show. So I mean, focus on the bass. You know, l- 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 groove with the bass. I mean, I hear a lot of drummers. It sounds like they're sounds like they're playing by themselves. And even if they're playing on time, even if it's it's they're playing in rhythm, it, it's with it. It's not with it. It's like. You, you you throw a fill in there and it it it's just kind of like that. Where'd that come from? Um, just be with the music. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of drummers just kind of they're they're they start playing and they're into how they how themselves and and focus on how cool do I look or what what am I yeah. going to do here and kind of like take the ego out of the situation and you will sound better for it. I think so. Yeah, and pick your moments. I mean, if you know, I, I do a lot of fill, just kind of fill in for bands here and there. And I think the reason what the, I mean, I, I'm, I don't, I'm not flashy. I don't do twirls and, and all <laughs> crazy solos, but you know, I, the compliment I get is like, man, you just, you, you, you watch, you're attentive, you, you take cues and it, it's like, it's just, it's easy. Like we just play and it just sounds, it just works, yeah. you know? And I, I think that's just, just kind of, putting yourself under under the music and like hey man like this is what this needs right now they're dancing to it i'm gonna keep doing this it's it, it's 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 right you know yeah i haven't seen too many people want to get up and uh, dance to a drum solo you no. know what i mean well there's a new video going out now and it's called how to drum in 13-8 and i don't know the guy i guess he's some kind of famous drummer guy but he's, he gets into it, he's like okay i'm gonna you know how, a lot of people ask me how, how do you play in 13-8 and all of a sudden and, and he's so he gets on his drums. He's about to show you. And he goes, "You don't play in thirteen and eight. There ain't no girl dancing to no thirteen and eight. You know, it's just, <laughs> just like, it's just like, yeah. He, and he, his point is like, 
Don't worry. I mean, who cares? Yeah, I mean, if if you want to start your own project and and do that, then more power to you. But you don't need to play in a thirteen eight. You're not going to you're not going to get hired for any jobs because you you play a thirteen eight beat. Just <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, man. that's so funny. That's cool. So just as we kind of end this, I, I the, just the that kind of segment. Well, if you just had to say. What's your favorite, if you could buy one kit for the studio, what would it be? And then what, if you could only have one kit for the road, what would it be? Mm, that's a tough one. Um, well, I play a, I'm playing a custom kit now. Um, but, I mean, for the road, you just need a road hog, man. Just something definitely uh, punchy. I think road, road. You want something just punchy, where he, you know each individual note is kind of heard more. Um, is sustain as big of a deal on a road kit? I don't think too so. too much sustain. Personally, I don't think so. I think I'd rather have tight and punchy live, and if I want sustain, say you know, I'd rather I'd rather add in sustain then try and get rid of the sustain because so many times you all right check time one <laughs> hey can you do anything about that maybe i mean we could be here for 10 minutes but let me you know <laughs> i mean so what do you what do you do you stick you tape a wallet to it or something that's just dud, dud. <laughs> so but i mean yeah I, a lot of sustain on toms is a lot live can be tough to to deal with so you know live just something Something tight and punchy, man. Just a little roadhog. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, um, what were maybe two or three kits that you'd say, hey, for the money, this is a pretty good roadhog, you know? Um, Obviously not the Pearl Master Series. That's probably not what you're looking for. Yeah, I mean, I think <clears throat> I don't think you have to pay more than a thousand bucks just, you know, for a good, a solid road kit. I mean, um you know i think i think dw makes good kits uh how about pacific the little little bastard stepchild um they look cool i, I every time i flip through a drum magazine I'm like hey, those are sweet looking i never owned one i don't i don't know mm-hmm. I, i've seen a lot of drummers playing when they sound great to me um yeah so yeah i mean if they're they're the bang for the buck I, i'm i'm for it you know how do you feel about gretch gretch i played a gretch for actually that was my I, i'd slipped my mind but i that was my road hog for a few years. There was something about that Gretsch drum set. I just like the sound of. Oh yeah, it's weird. The snare, like <clears throat> alone, if you just hit the snare, you're like, eh. but for whatever reason, I don't. You know, with the music, it all it always sounded real punchy to me. But yeah, a little Gretsch. I had a little four piece uh, Catalina Gretsch kit, and it yeah. did the job for sure. Um, I think studio wise, you know, that's where you can get have fun and find your old. Uh, Schlingerlander or whatever, you know, find some old like classic kit that's got some character and and yeah. have a lot of fun with it. At that, you know, yeah. Is there a? But is, you do you have a brand like you know you're not too overly brand specific uh, specific at all. Um, I'm not necessarily because like I'm there's certain brands I'm very fond of. Yeah, I'm very fond of Audix. I'm very fond of Sure. <laughs> Those are microphones, but very fond of Marshall. Very fond of Fender amps. Not so much Fender guitars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, just stuff like that. Yeah. You see, a lot of people love Fender, the sound of that Fender guitar. So that, yeah, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. I, I, that's <clears throat> a, I think it's that question comes down to taste. Like, you know, mm-hmm. you know taste and, tu- you know, tuning and, and. But I say this is because it's funny. I think to most drummers, the specific, there's different kits. You know, there's maple and, and, and birch kits, all that kind of stuff. Different plies. There's definitely different qualities of of drums. No, no doubt about it. But it's funny how I, th- I don't think drummers are quite as opinionated as to what brand of kit they use. But they tend to be very, very opinionated as to which symbols they use. Yeah. So on that note, Zildjian, Peisty, or Sabian? I've always been a Zildjian um, <laughs> guy. Just for whatever, I've always bought Zildjian. That's what I go with. Um, 
And what in particular is Zildjian A custom? I do the A customs. They're very I think they're they're good live, real good live. Um probably studio I'd probably get something a little thicker, you know, a little more ring. Um but yeah, I've always been Zildjian. I've you know, I've played on filled in on kits where they got Peisty or whatever and it's just it's just it doesn't have that feel. Like it's not even about the sound. Maybe it sounds great out front, but just I'm hitting it. It's like it just it, it doesn't feel like home to me. It's like yeah. I know when I hit that Zildjian. It's you know, it just <laughs> feels good. But it's that, isn't that funny? It's like yeah, whatever. I play a custom kit. I had a, a Tom. I had a Gretsch. Oh yeah, I forgot it was a Gretsch. But you know exactly what kind of symbols you got. Oh yeah. Well, How and, about- and you you know when when drummers have to play. You know, let's say there's a house kit. They bring their own symbols and kick pedals is a, is yeah. a big one. I think once you feel cut, you got custom to your pedal. You don't kick pedal. I, you know, I have a uh, Iron Cobra and it's it it was it lasted a long time, uh, but I will say, uh, one show I left it at home and I get there I'm like well, I don't have a pedal I'm screwed, and luckily there's a shop. I picked up a thirty dollar Gibraltar, and and that 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 guy was a was a beast man like I. <laughs> It didn't even have a, a metal chain link. It was like a little rubber, just little thing, <laughs> pad, to, you know. But it, it was great. I actually ended up using it because it was a lot lighter and just, uh, it ended up eventually breaking. But <laughs> saw, oh, you don't say. But it, it worked great. I think, I think I had it for, you know, a year maybe. And Yeah, so I, you know, Gibraltar, 30 bucks. Iron Cobra, 150 Yeah, I, Yeah. I, Iron Cobra, I don't think they're going to break um, anytime soon. So I think that's, <laughs> I think that's what you're paying for with the kick, but it, hey, if it feels yeah. good, yeah. Just kind of interesting stuff, interesting yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I kind of wanted to talk to you about, uh, you know, it's it's rare that that people value a drummer's perspective when it comes to sound and music and the songwriting process. And so uh, something that maybe not everybody knows is that uh, Casey over here is actually the one who wrote the theme song to the show. Indeed. That's right. Indeed. And so something I just got to thinking about is I haven't actually listened to the entire theme song. That's messed up. In probably two or three years. I don't think I have either. Yeah, <laughs> because I just, I, but I've heard, but I don't think to because it's a cool little thing. And I know it's a, it was a working project. It was a working title thing. You never quite got it fi- uh, yeah. finished. Needs some, needs vocals. Yes, it does. Why not? Yeah. And a harpsichord for yeah. that matter. But, uh, yeah. Never quite, you got it, but it is a full track. But all you hear is like 20, 30 seconds of it. So I thought, hey, that and I need to take a, a second to go take a piss. I was going to go ahead and just play that. Play that for y'all. Play it all the way through. Sound good? Now, quick, would you rather me play them the original version or the mastered version? Mastered. Mastered. <laughs> all right. Well, we will do that for you folks today on the 40 somethingeth episodeeth of the workingeth musicianeth podcasteth. Well, hello, everybody, and wait, thank you for tuning in. Oh, wait, we're listening. My bad. <laughs>
sounds real like wobble wobble. It's, it's cool. Definitely like a delay, like kind of like. Yeah, I, I don't know what I did. Was like, pop, pop, pop. Yeah, it's cool. This makes it psychedelic. So yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, that, 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 that was nice. Uh, that was nice. You can come yeah. back down to earth now. That's right, back down to earth. Uh, so uh, what, what was the name of that? Is it's, I believe it's still a working title, but it, it is. what's the name of that working title? You know, it's funny you ask. It's actually called badasssong.mp3 on my... Because <laughs> I came up with that, that riff and I didn't have a name. You know, I don't, I'm not good at lyrics or whatever. And I was like, that's, that sounds badass. So that's yeah, like, cool. Hey, it works. Works for me. And that, I don't know. I got nothing else. So if you got any ideas. It's- so right now, the only place you can find that song is on the Working Musicians podcast. That's it. I believe at least that version of it. Yeah. Uh, there is an the unmastered psych- version. Psychedelic. Yeah. Underwater. Psychedelic underwater. No, I, I had fun. I heard that. And I, as you know, I, I've, I've, I, you know, it's odd. I, th- I find this very odd. It seems like where I'm probably the best suited as far as helping pe- those around me is when it comes to mastering. A lot of people I know, they like to do their own mixing, that, this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes to mastering, it's kind of like, I don't know. There's just something about that I found that I'm able to do that just puts that, that, that little extra something on it. But uh, it tends to piss people off because, I let me, look, I'll do it however you want me to, but this is what I think. And it's oftentimes very different than what they think. Yeah. But hearing my mastered version, does it does it piss you off a little bit? It doesn't piss me off. I mean, hey, if it sounds cool, then do it. I mean, do you think the hi-hat kind of thing was a little bit high in the 10K? A little hyped? It, the, the, the hi-hat cymbal action might have been a little, little much. Um, but, I, you know, I'd have to listen to it in a, compared to something else in a car stereo. Yeah, you know, because yours get used to it as you're listening to it, and it's, yeah, what probably a little bit of the delay with that, with that overall, because mm-hmm. there's stops in that song and there wasn't stops. Like I could have automated the delay to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I get you. I get you. Absolutely. But uh, it's no, kind no, of no, funny. No, it doesn't piss me off. I mean, hey, if someone wants to spend their time trying to make something of mine better, I mean, I don't see what. That's a good way to look at it. Yeah. But it's funny because like I, it's kind of like uh you know how everyone has different tastes in in music and it's kind of like you we you have to be careful of that like I have a tendency to make my uh, my snare drums not loud enough uh, in choruses because I kind of have a tendency to rely on psychoacoustics too much I know what's happening therefore I hear it but in reality you can't hear it <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah I mean occasionally you can but you really can't hear it you just know it's there so you feel like you hear it. Uh, so I have a tendency to, to, to know that if I like the way it sounds, I mean, it's turn up the snare drum about five decibels. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's something else I've also picked up on, and I'm still working on getting better at this. Now, granted, this is something I did a few years ago, going on three years ago. And I've gotten better since then. And this wasn't something I spent a lot of time on, but um, I've noticed that I, I'm very, very sensitive to the, the, the kind of that 9 to 12K 
frequency. I usually call it about 10K, but it's kind of like the where, where the stuff that the tweeters in your car pick up, I'm real sensitive to that, and it gives me a headache. So it's weird, like, if I listen to something, if I'm mixing or mastering something, and I, and I, and I like the way it sounds, that means I, and it's kind of like, I, 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 for some reason, I like warm and fuzzy a little bit more than cold and crisp, I mm-hmm. guess you could say. So I realize if I hear something and, and it sounds more good and warm and fuzzy to me, that means I probably need to cut out some of the, <laughs> a few of the, the low mids and, uh, you know, maybe, and hopefully, and try to bring out the, the higher 9 to 12K. Just yeah. a little observation. Because I hear that and I'm like, oh, God, that annoys the shit out of me. But to the average person, it probably doesn't because that's what they're used to. Yeah, music is so hyped up in those frequencies, which is car- partially how they get that real crisp sound. I mean, it's a balancing act. Some people do a good job of it. Some people don't. But all I know is, uh, I tend to turn the 10k down, you know, my monitor, so I don't have to hear that because it gives me a headache. Just something weird. Do yeah. you do you have any of that kind of stuff happen to you? Well, it's funny you say that because you know I I've maybe have four or five songs recorded that I think are like I guess done. If I listen to them all in a row, like I, I do get, get some kind of ear fatigue or just some kind of like, ah, like, okay, I need to listen to just something else now. So clearly there's some, there's some frequency or something I'm doing. I mean, I, I, I never claimed to be a, a mixer. So yeah, um, EQ is hard. I, I still, I mean, I struggle and will always struggle with EQ. Yeah, there, there's definitely, there's something that the pros know about, you know, the, the mainstream stuff, the, the carve out what needs to be carved out to make it have space and, and be pleasant on the ear for sure. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Now I don't know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the trick. You got to figure that out. Well, I'll say what part of it is, is actually being able to trust what's coming out of your monitors. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, let's face it. When you're rocking KRK rocket fives in an untreated room, um, you'll be in lied to, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yeah. That's just the reality of it. I would always go reference in a car. Cause to me, like, if it doesn't sound good in a car, you know, that's when a lot of people listen to their music. You know? And the car is the hardest one to get to sound good, man. Yeah. And then, <laughs> you, then you get it sounding good in the car and you play it on your laptop speakers and it sounds horrible. And your phone, you know, got to get them, got to get them all good. Yeah. It's kind of funny. Uh, yeah. I usually work from, let me get my sound system. Then I listen to a slightly less hi-fi sound system. I listen to my car, make some compromises from there. And it's like I listen to it on a phone or a laptop. I'm like, oh, crap, I didn't want to do this, but it looks like I'm going to have to add some more, you know, like 5K to the kick drum just yeah. so that you can hear, tell that you hear that little tut, tut. I mean, you get nothing else but the tut, tut. And it'll, it's like tut, 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 except for you don't even have the. The, the extra lows that come from just my tongue hitting my teeth. Yeah. You know, it's like, what's the difference? But there's like hardly any difference in frequency between if you were to put up a, like a, a frequency analyzer over your laptop speaker, it's like, okay, you get a little bit of boost in the snare drum in particular in the, the, the one to three K. But when the kick drum hits, you know where you get a little bit of boost of, and then nine to twelve k, you know, what I mean, yeah, like can't get rid of nine to twelve hundred k. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's barely even different. It's almost you have to distinguish one by just one. Well, one's a little bit fuzzier than the other. Yeah. <coughs> and then just trying to get things mastered to sound good on a TV. I I don't claim to be able to do that. Well, I tell you one thing that I don't understand why they can't figure out is the dynamics in movies. They're great in a theater, but like. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I'm at home and I, I'm trying to be quiet and watch a movie, like I'm constantly like manually up down. It's like why they need to make like a consumer for a home compressed just version. I, I never, under, I don't, I, I don't know. Yeah, if whenever I develop my man cave, I'm having a compressor. I think. I think oh, it's, it's, it's it, it drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. Yeah, kids, you're trying lighter. to sneak in a, a movie, you know, after everyone's in bed. <laughs> Especially when it's porn, that's the worst. That's you know the what I mean? Worst. You know, you hit the climax and everyone wakes up. <laughs> and at that point, everyone knows what you were just doing. Yeah, it's terrible. Absolutely yeah. terrible. Not that it's ever. Ha- I mean, I, I know a guy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and so so I'm told. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm told. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, I thought you were. All right, yeah, I'll stop there. I could go in a, down a down a dirt road real fast with yeah. that. So, uh, Casey, I mean, this is this has been a this has been a great great time for us, and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to have covered what we've covered, but I feel like something's missing. What you got? I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm trying to actively figure that out. <laughs> like there is one more thing we need to cover before we put this to bed. Hmm. <clears throat> and I think what that thing is, is this. How has my music influenced your life? <laughs> um, well, I took a big dump earlier and <laughs> I thought, I thought of a couple of your hits as I was doing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if it, it, it uh, gives me a pleasant experience as I'm, as I'm a uh, waste. BM inducing, huh? Yeah. BM inducing. No, I, I, and this is not, this is not just like a kumbaya just to say it, but some of my favorite m- musical memories and recordings are just, you know, me, you and Channing, uh, just, just getting together and doing it at home and, it, all putting in equal input and coming up with something like, "Hey, that's cool." Yeah. So you know, I, I think when you you're enjoying it and you're not under a microscope or a, a budget or someone else's, it's their vit. You know, they're enforcing you know stuff. I think it's it makes it a lot more enjoyable. So yeah, that's what I can say. Like one thing that I, I mean, we don't do it often, but when we do, all three of us come together. It's just it's for fun. Yeah, yeah. There's no preconceived notion that hey, this has to meet a budget or anything like that. Like nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. It's just if it works right, if if it works, it works. And if not, I mean, no one's got to hear it. I mean, it's just for fun. And but usually it turns out good. I mean, when we're all vibing and just coming up with something, it's cool. Yeah. Is there any particular songs that you had, uh, or anything that we've ever ever done, me, you, and Channing? In case you didn't know, uh, me, Casey, and Channing, we all know each other. Uh, granted, Dryce Organica is a stage name, but I have to protect my identity. Casey, I, it may be his name, it may not be. Channing Saul, it may be his name, it may not be. It could be a pseudonym for another name. It could be Channing Kendrick Saul. That's true. His name could actually be Channing Kendrick Saul, because that's rock and roll. Yeah. Kendrick. <laughs> I, need, I need to add a couple more names to my name. Yeah. Hmm. I'll work yeah. on that for the next Yeah. One. Like LaRue or Lemmy. Yeah. So, Lemmy's good. Yeah. Add a LaRue in there somehow. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's funny. There's, there's one song. I'm not saying it was the best song we ever wrote, but I always thought it was real cool. Um, real cool. I want to see if I can't find it right quick and play it. But, uh, and it, don't get me wrong, Vanity was a cool song. I really liked that one, and oh, my, my vocals sounded great, by the way. Yeah, they're pretty good. They, they sounded very nice, yeah. very nice. <laughs> yeah. But there was another one, but that was one that we kind of done quite a bit with. We had recorded, done some pre-production, and then went back and really did it right. But there was another one that we did, and it was actually a song that Ch- uh, Channing Kendrick Saul had, had written called, uh, I think, Climb On. Is what it was called. I think I remember that one. And the funny thing about that that song is that was the same night. Remember that story you referenced about how you were you were doing something. You were singing some backups, or you were trying to help write it. We were we were getting up behind the mic and trying to write some vocal ideas. Yeah. And you were. We didn't realize what state of mind you were in until you got started behind the microphone singing, you know? Oh, yeah. That, that's why they don't normally give me a mic to do So, uh, maybe you could elaborate on that experience a little bit. What, what, what exactly happened? Uh, Taka Vodka apparently happened. Cheap vodka, uh, lightweight, and uh, getting a little overconfident, thinking that apparently I can... Uh, do some chart topping oohs and ahs over a chorus or something like that and uh man i thought it sounded great with the headphones on i turn around and everyone's literally like almost rolling on the floor just cracking up laughing at me so uh I, but i my buzz uh it came down pretty quick so uh but no that was yeah hey, it's all it's all fun man i mean you you gotta be able to to joke at yourself if you're gonna gonna be you know in the game so yeah, would you almost say that some of the best music out there is the stuff that's the easiest to make fun of? 
I yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't know. You just I feel like a lot of the great music. You know what I hear is like the great songs are just like man, it just it just happened. Like it, it, we didn't even really think about it. We just you know we were all just sitting around and we were jamming and it, it came out. So I'm, right. de- I'm I'm a fan of just in the moment. You know if it's working, it's working. So. Well, all right. Well, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to lead out with another song, um, a song called Climb On that was written by Channing Kendrick Saul, uh, but I did a lot of work on the vocal, so I, can, I, I think I get a vocal credit for this one. I think I get a vocal is that, credit. Is that how that works? I, I, I don't really know how this works. <laughs> I, think, I can't even remember if I even wrote the vocal line or not. I think I did. I think I did. I or I know. took a, something that Channing had and then did what I did and you know, kept about 10% of it and changed the other 90. I, I honestly, I couldn't, I couldn't even remember. He may have helped for all I know you wrote the whole vocal line. Yeah. I think I wrote the whole song actually. Maybe, it's maybe you did, but it's just kind of one of those funny things where it's like, I think we did this. Uh, we, we recorded this with a two channel interface and we had to use the, uh, the, this Tapco mixing board that I currently run monitor levels through just to hear stuff properly. And that that's how we recorded the drums. So we could have overheads, kick, and snare. Uh, I mean, we did it in a creative way. And it was done very low budget, very cheap. I, I didn't even know how to mix and master at that time worth a damn. This was like eight years ago, I think. But it's just a very fun track. And uh, I, I, it's one that I always, maybe it's just because it has a sentimental value, and I listen back to it, and I always get a kick out of it. But it was one that I was very happy with and proud of, even though it's not the best work I've probably ever done or any of us have ever done. But it was one that I thought was one of the most memorable because I had the most fun doing it. So, Casey, it's been a pleasure having you on the show, and I hope yeah, we man. do this again yeah, and, and, and soon. I want to do this all the time. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you've done a great job. Yeah, well, uh, next time, uh, you know, I've, I've worked like 24 the last so whatever hour. So I'll try to yeah. be a little more spunky on the next one. But yeah, no, hey, dude. I'm telling you, you were born to be my co-host. <laughs> you were born to do this job. All right. You have one job, but you do it well. Well, so All right. if you can start writing me a check, then I'm, I'm here. Uh, I'll have my accountants uh, talk to your people. Your people talk to my people. We'll, we'll figure something out. All right. Out. Sounds we'll, good. We'll, we'll make it worth your while. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So without further ado, I'm going to get to playing that song. It's been great to have you on board. All right, y'all. Bye-bye.